0: the ghost site where we take the national Broadway news and tell you why you care about it in Paducah specifically Paducah Paducah and only Paducah I'm Ryan where is Paducah
1: I'm Cassie I'm bad at geography
0: there's a Kentucky Paducah Kentucky I'm guessing okay. there's multiple Paducas but it doesn't matter if you're in Paducah or on Broadway or across the world um, I saw a TikTok video last evening that made me cry and may, would make anyone who understood what was happening cry. Reeve Carney took his final bow in Town after six years.
1: That's absolutely mind-boggling. People don't stay in Broadway roles that long.
0: No, no, they don't. Espe- and he originated that role, too. Yeah. And uh, then did it for six years and met his wife this is now wife uh-huh and that did you watch this clip that i think i sent it I to did. you i did
1: you did send it to me and i did watch it and it's very sweet
0: it's it, go look it up on tiktok you can find it anywhere uh dear listeners it's uh everyone came back to wish him goodbye and they had a script uh and at the end instead of Orpheus returning to the underworld he gets to go hand in hand with his actual now wife who he met through the show and got to actually exit upstage out of Hades town forever
1: that yeah that's really really sweet and precious
0: i loved it so much and i was completely blindsided by it so i'm sure that had an effect and <laughs> but uh, I was just sitting there at 11 o'clock or so last night. I was like, oh, what's on TikTok? This is a lot about sound. What's going on? Oh, no. And I don't remember if we talked about this on this podcast, but they have
1: announced his replacement. Who? And it is Jordan Fisher.
0: Yeah. Uh, the name sounds familiar. Disney star Jordan Fisher? Yeah, he's done a few things. He's done a few here things. Here and there. Man, imagine that spending six years of your life being the only person on the planet that's played this role. And the second you leave, Jordan Fisher puts his hand up.
1: I'm not going to call it stunt casting because Jordan Fisher is a relative newcomer to the Broadway scene. He kind of exploded onto it, but relative newcomer. And I think very well suited to this part.
0: I think so, too, because he can actually use his his pop training. For this yeah he can lean into it a little bit and i think it'll work and i think it'll set him a little bit apart from you know how orpheus has been played for forever i guess uh i hope jordan can play the guitar oh yeah he can he's done it on his social media so we should be fine because that is a large yeah. part of the show is orpheus playing the mm-hmm. guitar <laughs> it does kind of limit your casting choices a little bit
1: did you see – there was a pro shot of the company revival, not this current one, but one in the 2000s, where part of the concept was that all of the actors were also musicians.
0: Oh, no. I don't think i that All of the one.
1: actors were also the orchestra. And so That's it was incorporated into yeah. the scene that they would just, like, walk around, like, carrying the French horn and the, the trombone. Like, not – not like small instruments either, like like big instruments. And part of the concept was that Bobby kept trying to play an instrument to a company and, and never did. He couldn't play huh. any of them until yeah. being alive when he sat down and accompanied himself on the piano.
0: That's really good.
1: It was a really beautiful production. Raul Esparza played Bobby.
0: Oh, that was that one. Okay. No, I have not yeah. seen it. I think I've seen the clip of him playing and singing, mm-hmm. but out of context.
1: So yeah, it does limit your casting, but it can be
0: very effective. Mm-hmm. Sure can. Kinda like uh and, once. S- yeah, similar. Same uh same concept. Gotta have some musicians. Different kind of triple threat.
1: Now I wanna see Joshua Henry play Sweet. Orpheus because I know he well, I wanna see him play so some of you too. I wanna to. see, I wanna see Joshua, Henry Joshua Henry play every. Joshua Henry can do
0: whatever he wants. F-
1: Absolutely right. He can. But he would do those Sondheim stairwell videos when he was doing Into the Woods.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, where he yep. would sit with his guitar and invite other people to uh, come sing with him and they would mash up Sondheim with some other pop song. And those were delightful videos.
0: Those were absolutely delightful. We got some crazy, uh, crazy mashups and crazy duets and <laughs> mm-hmm. trios from all that. Uh, the last thing I want to say about Hades Town uh, that I found out uh from Patrick Page's curtain speech is that uh Hadestown was not the first show that Patrick Page and Reeve Carney did together on Broadway. Really? Reeve Carney was the original Spider-Man.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: And Patrick How many Grant's, arms did he break? Uh I don't know that he's the one who ever actually got hurt. <laughs> but Patrick Page played Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin for that, and that is where they met. And then they did Hades sound.
1: Cannot picture that.
0: Yeah, it happened though.
1: Patrick Page playing the Green Goblin.
0: Yeah, have you never heard this music?
1: A little bit.
0: Okay, it is a valiant effort.
1: That was who? That was Bono.
0: Yeah, that was Bono and the Edge. It was weird. Music yeah, by Bono. It was a weird uh, choice. Yeah, Music and Lyrics by Bono and the Edge, directed by Julie Taymor.
1: Yeah, I, Julie's, everybody's allowed one, okay? All directors yes, are allowed, she's one allowed one weird mistake, and that one's going to be Julie's. Yeah, if And I, she's still
0: a brilliant genius. Absolutely. And if I remember right, at some point, like she did everything she did, and then they let it go for a while, and then they changed a bunch without her after- if I remember mm-hmm. the apocryphal tales of Spider Man Turn Off the Dark, which lost just so much money. Yeah. However, uh, have you seen the images coming out of um, Vegas of the sphere? The giant, no, I haven't. The giant sphere. So there's a new, uh, fully immersive is an understatement, sphere in Vegas, performing arts venue. It's supposed to be like a rock concert, like music venue, but you can mm-hmm. do so many things in, in it. It is a literal sphere. The building is a literal sphere. And the entire outside of it is fully programmable LED display. It's a giant video screen as a sphere. So you can turn it into a literal eyeball that moves. Or anything, anything else. But then the inside of it, the entire inside of the sphere, is the same thing. So all of the technology that they've been using to film, like The Mandalorian, or uh, some of the other Star Wars stuff or newer Marvel stuff, where they put, where they create all of the backdrops digitally, and then mm-hmm. they shoot them against, instead of green screens, they shoot them against the fully immersive backdrop. They can do that in the sphere in vegas now and to bring this full circle i think you could do spider-man turn off the dark really well in that yeah yeah i can see that because it's fully immersive you can turn the sky like you can turn the inside of the thing into the night sky from across the planet like you can literally do that so new york city spider-man flying through
1: you know what else is fully immersive, or at least rumored to be fully immersive?
0: Guys and Dolls on the West End.
1: Cabaret on the West End.
0: Also Cabaret Possibly on the West End. Possibly Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls is supposed to be fully immersive. It's They just turned the theater into the hot box. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and they did the same thing with Cabaret and uh, Natasha and the Comet, and then couple other shows this is not a new idea who it's not
1: a new idea uh, It's not a new idea who
0: had this new idea who believes it's their own original thought you,
1: you you remember a big deal show that closed on broadway a while ago
0: uh one of the longest running broadway shows you know i think chicago's still going i don't think that closed yet
1: our good friend our best friend ryan
0: oh yeah andy's failed cinderella yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah no phantom of the opera closed on broadway it was a big deal it was the rumors unconfirmed as of the recording of this but the rumors are that phantom's coming back
0: but we knew it's coming back
1: in los angeles
0: okay we didn't know that
1: and it's coming back as a fully immersive production I don't know what that means because they were already swinging a chandelier out in the audience. Does the
0: chandelier fall behind the audience now?
1: (laughs) I think they fill the audience. The audience is on a lake. And when they do the boat scene, the Phantom and Christine come through the audience on the boat.
0: That's a lot of candles. Oh, so many candles. It sounds very dangerous and very expensive and very much like our good friend Andy.
1: I feel like every person in the audience should have just a candle hanging from a wire above their head and they have to light it at that, the appropriate sure. moment.
0: Yeah. We can trust a thousand yeah. audience members to do that. 100%. Time, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and they've all been drinking. So.
1: Yeah. So I don't know what fully immersive Phantom of the Opera means. I kind of want to know. I do too. So, we will have to wait and see if these rumors have any substance to them. If they
0: have any substance to them. Well, um, our good friend Andy has been a little bit busy with uh, another project uh, as he's trying to get an Oscar.
1: Ryan, what did Andy do?
0: Remember how I talked about uh, last year during the Thanksgiving Day parade, Leah Michelle appeared on my TV screen. It was a, the Leah Michelle jump scare of 2022.
1: I do remember that, yes.
0: So I got about two-thirds of the way through this new Marvels movie, which was very, very good and very fun. Um, I got about two-thirds of the way through that Marvels movie, and all of a sudden, um, our good friend Andy's uh, very good song, Memories, just started blasting during the superhero movie. It was not like four seconds of it.
1: How much did they pay to be able to use that song?
0: Just so much. Gotta be. Because it's, inc- it's one of those moments where it's like, it took me a second to realize exactly what was happening. And then I was like, oh my god, this is an amazing joke. I love this so much. They are super committing to this bit. It's great. And then the bit kept going. And memories just kept going. And it didn't stop. I'm watching this going like, what am I, is this, is this how Andy gets a second shot at a Cats movie? Like, what's happening? I don't know if it is uh, possible for Memories to be uh, eligible for an Oscar as a song for the Marvels uh, because it was in the Cats musical film, the masterpiece. So it may uh, not be Oscar bait. But I did get a jump scare from our good friend Andy at a superhero movie. And that was not on my twenty twenty three bingo card.
1: You know what else happened uh, very unexpectedly in the Broadway world? Um, our segues are fire this episode, we're by doing, the way. Hey, like we're
0: doing great. And you know what's this even is better great. is calling out like calling attention to our segues. <laughs> What ended very suddenly? Did something end super suddenly?
1: Something did not end very suddenly,
0: no. Okay, good. Because that would be a a crappy thing to do to your actors, to just announce that the show ended on social media, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden nobody can see Bad Cinderella anymore. That would not be a nice thing to do to your actors.
1: No, not at all. But a lovely thing to do to fans of your show is to just, without warning, drop a cast album.
0: That doesn't seem real. We just we just had to suffer through Sweeney dropping track after track very slowly, like like molasses dripping from the end of the jar.
1: Yeah, and then we, uh, during current call for Merrily We Roll Along, J. Groff just goes, oh, hey, if you want a cast album, it's dropping at midnight.
0: Yeah, it was like, hey, in like two hours, by the time you get home, you can listen to it.
1: You can listen to this. And I have listened to Our Time, and it is beautiful.
0: It's just a great move like with tiktok and social media and everything nowadays and if your show has a following anywhere and everything's so accessible now like i i love it i love it you can't get a pro shot immediately okay fine how about we just give you an album right now here it is yeah because they had yeah. announced the album what three weeks before a month before maybe
1: yeah something like that like yeah. people knew it was coming but yeah not
0: when yeah, and then they just announced it on stage. I love it. So I saw a um, a fever dream appear on TikTok. I guess we're just talking about TikTok. Uh, a fever dream appeared on my TikTok the other day, Mm-hmm. and it was in fact footage from the opening of the out of town tryout of Boop.
1: Yeah, I saw that too.
0: That's a that's a whole thing. Why does it look like Dr. Seuss?
1: Because it's a cartoon.
0: Maybe. That could do it. She looks like Betty Boop. Like, they did an incredible, she does. incredible job. I have no idea what this is about.
1: It's about Betty Boop.
0: Yeah. What's Ryan. that mean?
1: Well, it's not the first time we've written a musical about a comic
0: strip. Won't be the last one either. Charlie Brown did no. okay. Kristen won a uh, Tony <laughs> for it, so.
1: Yeah, Annie's done pretty well for itself for some reason.
0: Uh, For some reason. Lord knows why.
1: Oh, you and I should have an
0: Annie rant episode. We already have. I know. Because we talked about sequels.
1: <laughs> that was an Annie sequel rant.
0: Yeah, I think we ranted about Annie too.
1: But I think it's rare for two people who work in youth theater to both be so down on Annie.
0: This is true. True if i never have to do the red wig show uh-huh that would be great it would be fantastic i yeah i will do susicle before i do annie i like susicle it's fine it's fun it's just a lot of work for not a lot of payoff in my mind like cuz everything has to be so specific from costuming to sets, to props, to colors, to everything. Everything just has to be very specific.
1: There was a really fascinating production that was crossing my my TikTok clips from a, a production of Susicle where they kind of modernized it in a way. They played with the concepts really well and it okay. looked different That's good. than other productions of Susicle
0: Good. Needs it.
1: Yeah. And I, I liked that a lot.
0: Uh, We do have a cast announcement for another new version of a very famous old play called Uncle Vanya, Mm -hmm. which is by Chekhov, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, whoever that is.
1: He had a gun, I think.
0: I I think so. He talked about it a lot. I don't know that I ever saw it, but he talked about it.
1: Well, he definitely used it in Act 3, so.
0: Well, I was asleep by then.
1: This is a deep cut joke. This is
0: a deep cut theater joke, and I'm <laughs> here for it. Uh, if you got that, you need to. If you got that joke, you need to tell us on Discord, please, and thank you. Anyway, please. Uh, they announced a revival of Chekhov's Uncle Vanya, beginning performance April second at the Vivian Beaumont Theater with a new translation by Heidi Schreck, direction by Lila Neugebauer, starring Steve Carell, and this is the first time he's been on Broadway. Interesting. Doing Chekhov. Doing Chekhov. Like, this is a huge swing.
1: It is, because Chekhov doesn't tend to write comedies.
0: No, sure doesn't.
1: And Steve Carell tends to do comedies.
0: Uh, And then the rest of the cast is Alison Pill, Anika Noni Rose, William Jackson Harper, Jane Hudichell, Mia uh, Kadekback. And some guy named Alfred Molina. Really? Yeah. They are not screwing around with this one.
1: No. Are you going to go see that one when you take your trip to New York?
0: I will not because I will not be taking a trip to New York in April. Previews for that uh, opening are April 2nd. uh, Opening is April 24th. No, if I am going, I will be going uh, between Christmas and New Year's per tradition. It's tradition. And uh, I don't know what I will be seeing yet, but I am very excited to go. So I
1: know one thing that you have to see. And if you're not planning to see it already, I am going to pay you to go see it. Gutenberg? I mean, yes, please go see Gutenberg. <laughs> I desperately need you to see Gutenberg. I really
0: want to see Gutenberg.
1: Um, But specifically, All the Devils Are Here, the Patrick Page one-man Shakespeare villain show that we have talked about. Yes, it's having, it's extending its run
0: as it should, as it should. I discovered that that show, uh, two things I discovered about that show because I was looking into it for a potential trip because you know I got to.
1: I know you gots to. Uh,
0: that is off Broadway. Technically, yeah. I was reminded of that. Um, that is a very small theater. I think it has like 150 seats.
1: Yeah, so buy your tickets now, dude.
0: Yeah, I was looking. I was like, oh, wow, this is not a large theater and not a lot of seats. And Patrick will be right there.
1: He sure will. And for the casual listener, because I don't know if we've made this clarification on this podcast before, but if we have, it's been a while. Broadway and off-Broadway has nothing to do with location. What? No. It has to do with house size. Yes. So anything under, I think, 500 seats, yeah, is considered an off-Broadway theater.
0: And to be so, and I believe also the location bit comes in for it to be considered Broadway or off-Broadway or uh, to has to be within whatever the city blocks are, and then off yeah. off-Broadway is anything kind of
1: outside physically farther, away. farther
0: yeah. away. But Broadway and off-Broadway as a ter- uh, is important for. Uh, Tony consideration. It's uh not at all confusing. Nope, not in the slightest. But you can win the drama desk. That's true. Patrick Page for drama desk for one
1: hundred percent.
0: Best actor, best leading man in a play, right? Like that's what it is right there. Done and yeah. done.
1: They don't even need to nominate anybody else, so
0: sure don't. So you know how all of these people are winning Tony's before Leah Michelle, all of these glee folks are on Broadway or going back to Broadway. Yeah. You know, we talked about Grant Gustin being the latest. Hey, there's another one. Is there really? There's another one. Uh, This one's coming out of left field, though, uh, and is actually my favorite, like, Glee-adjacent news that I've had in a while. I'm very excited for this. Uh, Emmy Award-winning actor Dana Dana Delaney from Desperate Housewives will star in the world premiere of uh, her new thriller, Highway Patrol at the Goodman Theater, Also in the cast, features three-time Emmy Award nominee, Dot Marie Jones.
1: For a second, my brain was like, Jane Lynch. And then I remembered she's already been on Broadway a
0: lot. She's already done it quite a bit. She's very, very good at anything she does forever. Um, Yes. Dot Marie Jones is uh, going, going in for this and, like, a supporting Tony... Award or nomination is entirely Possible and I'm absolutely over the Moon about that Uh, she played uh, Coach Beast On the show uh, I think it's Season three through the End and she's just a delight So that was not on my Bingo card for this year but here we are Now, what was on my bingo card, obviously, was that Sutton Foster and Kelly O'Hara were going to duet at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, that just makes sense. That just makes sense. Like, that was announced and that happened and was like, oh, okay, cool, great, awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't have anything better to do? I don't think Sutton's got anything going on, right? Right, no, nothing at all. And Kelly's definitely not doing that Days of Wine and Roses show soon, right? They're both also, like, the two of them are not about to have leading roles in Broadway they have nothing better to do than put together a Carnegie show a one-night Carnegie show
1: Sutton did a live at Lincoln Center concert
0: I'm sure it was of, good because of,
1: of course she did and it was lovely I'm sure um, it has
0: to be she's Sutton Foster
1: and and I I watched it and I was like oh yeah I really like the live at Lincoln Center format I watched it on Broadway HD and I was like cool what other ones do they have I bet they have a whole series they don't they have three They have three live at Lincoln Center concerts.
0: Yeah, that's it. They have
1: Sutton Foster and Stephanie Block and Andrew Reynolds.
0: Okay. That's it. Uh, That's it. I mean, those are three good ones, I guess. They are
1: three good ones.
0: I don't have a good segue. And Juliet turned one year old.
1: (laughs) Happy birthday.
0: And they had a whole, it was a whole thing. It was great. But they uh, did their sing along to celebrate one year. Right. And that all happened. That was pretty cool. Uh, Some of the clips from that have been pretty cool to see. Um, But in that vein, Moulin Rouge announces two very special, spectacular sing-along performances next year. It's catching on. At the Al Hirschfield. They have done this once already. Uh, They did it in August. Now they have two more announced. One in February and one in August. And it is just absolutely wild to think about. Like, you can... Like, if you want to go sing along to your favorite show with your favorite stars, you can just oh. do that.
1: Who's going to be playing Christian at that point? It's not Aaron Vakes because he's playing Sweeney. Yeah. Because, like, I'd go sing along with Derek Clenna, but I don't think he's still in the part.
0: Uh, Let's see. No. <laughs> it's Casey Cott. Okay. He's currently our Christian. And Titus Burgess is... Uh, Z- uh, Ziedler. That's great. How many uh, people are. Wow. Okay. So I'm at MoulinRougeMusical.com. And this is what we're going to talk about right now. Hold on. Let cool. me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How many people. So they have a meet the cast thing, which is kind of cool, with headshots and a little bio. And it's great. And they have them all listed. How many people do they have listed? As currently in the cast of Moulin Rouge on Broadway.
1: Is this a laughably high number or a laughably low number?
0: It is higher than I thought it was going to be.
1: 53. It's
0: 42.
1: Okay, that was close.
0: 42, and it includes swings and understudies, Right. as it should. As it should. But it's like, what? Okay, that's that's pretty cool. They're all here. They have the alternates listed, the swings... Studies, ensemble, dance captain, universal vacation swing. Like this is, this is kind of cool to see it all laid yeah. out with all their headshots and all the everything. Then they have like a red filter over all of the headshots. So it's Moulin Rouge. That's pretty cool. All right. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that was a thing. Good job. Moulin Rouge. I have not seen much theater lately. Have you
1: live theater? Yes, actually I saw our local theater did a production of Puffs, which you did tech for.
0: I did. I did. And I went and saw that. So many of those cues. It is a fun, it's a lot. fun show. It's a lot.
1: It was a lot of show. A it's, lot of cues. I enjoyed myself at the show.
0: It's a really good it's a script. fun show. And the production ended up being really fun. It was hilarious.
1: It's hard to do a bad show when you have a good
0: book when the book is that good yeah. and it's that easy for the audience to buy in. Cause all you have to say is it's a Harry Potter spoof. Right. right? Exactly. And it, Harry Potter has been around enough and it's part of the cultural zeitgeist. Like everybody knows it. Maybe not to the point that like when Ginny says shoelaces and bends over to tie Harry's shoes, like that's a deep cut that like four people are going to get every night
1: that's a deep cut. Giving the giving the Puffs uh, magnifying glass as their sorting item is a deep cut.
0: Sure is.
1: And that was just a directorial choice. That's not from the book. That was yeah. the director. And I I laughed out loud, and I was the only one in the theater my night who did.
0: Yep. I was not there for all the shows, but my favorite... Uh parts of each show were when one or two people would just lose their mind over a very very specific joke and the rest of the audience would be like what's happening why is that funny why is that funny we just laughed and we're gonna laugh again in a minute why is why are we supposed to be laughing right now
1: Um, if you want in on the joke and aren't in on the joke it's from a very Potter musical Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders They are
0: particularly good finders yeah and then uh, you know Voldemort coming out in a swim cap
1: Right. Yes. It's just funny,
0: yeah. right? And Voldemort never puts on shoes. No. Yeah. Just little things.
1: Clearly was directed by somebody who deeply knew and loved Harry Potter.
0: Yes. Very clearly. It was a. It was a fun time, and I'm exhausted from it. Because I'm sure it you was are. A, it was a lot. I think we counted afterwards, and I think between sound and lighting, um there were about 500 cues that had to be called like yeah. much less auto follows or multiple cues in a row or anything right. but like, yeah. man, we put that theater through its paces. Did not know that the space was capable of that. And now we do. Might be a few things still smoking <laughs> on our way out.
1: Yeah. My little brother was in it and um, my family has started our Thanksgiving week candy making extravaganza and my little brother today's the first day after the show has closed i think he slept in until 2 p.m
0: understandable
1: he had Cause a bunch of words he had a bunch of words he had a lot to do yeah but i saw that in the last uh week i saw horizon new theaters production Uh, Their 6 to 12-year-old production, which was a show that my dad actually wrote called Tokens of Her Cleverness, which is a collection of Mm folktales, and they did a very good job with that, and I saw last night, Horizon also did a staged reading of a favorite devising class show that I helped write Mm
0: -hmm.
1: initially like seven years ago now, and we've performed it full on twice That I and I directed it both times, and so then this past weekend for the town of Grand Rapids, um, for their holiday festival, they wanted us to do a a short thing in their town hall, and so we did a they did a staged reading of this, and I was not involved in it. I was able to just like sit and watch and enjoy it, and even though it was put together like really quickly, I think they only had four total rehearsals, Mm -hmm. uh, because it was kind of a last minute thing that we were asked to do, so we kind of threw it together, and just asked for volunteers, um. I really enjoyed it again, and I know I'm biased, but th- that script's real good. Like I wrote it, but
0: but you know, it's good to hear it by different people and done different ways, right? Yeah,
1: and but... and everybody in the audience was laughing at all the jokes, and that made me feel good because I wrote those jokes, and
0: oh my gosh, I thought they were funny, but it's it's, like it's always it nice to hear yeah. that
1: other people think it's funny too.
0: Yeah, uh, i d- I was wrong. I did go see one show a couple weeks ago that I don't think I mentioned. I did go see a production of the thanksgiving play by larissa Fasthorse. hmm uh that is a wild script yeah yeah that's a thinker and i caught myself facepalming many many times as you should when watching it if it is done well and correctly which it was um it is uh uh four white people have been tasked with Uh, putting together the school uh, Thanksgiving play, and uh, they all take it way, 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 way too seriously. Um, And there's a lot of uh, dialogue and thought about, uh, you know, who should be telling what stories, um, voices being at the table and being heard, um, and a lot of, you know, good important subjects to talk about, but tongue, like, firmly in cheek the entire time. And with uh, a a bunch of caricatures and stereotypes attempting to maybe teach the audience a lesson.
1: The other theater that I've seen recently, I've gone 36 minutes without talking about, which you should be very impressed by, because as soon as you let me talk about it, it is the rest of this episode.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Thanks for. (laughs) All right. All right, Cassie, you get you get 15 minutes. Ready? Ooh,
1: yay. Cool. Go. Tuesday was Prince of Egypt today.
0: It was. It was Prince Tuesday of Egypt. Tuesday was day. the day that
1: the Prince of Egypt pro-shot dropped on Broadway HD. I have always loved the animated film. When I found out that they were adapting it into a stage musical, I was over the moon, and then I listened to the soundtrack and I was even more over the moon. Because Stephen Schwartz wrote like 10 new songs for this show. Mm -hmm. And I was desperate, desperate, desperate to see it. And I found out they'd done a pro shot of it before it closed on the West End. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And now I've watched it and I am in love. I officially have a new musical in my top three all-time musicals.
0: All right. Without seeing it live.
1: Without seeing it live. I, I wait to say... This is a top musical until I've actually seen a production of it in some format. Sure. You can't just like just listening. You can't just listen to the soundtrack because you don't know how the book, you know, fits in with it.
0: It's the same problem with people who only read Shakespeare.
1: Right. Exactly. Same problem. So I was pretty sure that this was going to like snag a spot in like the top five, but it's top
0: three. That's uh, high praise. Is it above or below Into the Woods?
1: It's below Into the Woods. Into the Woods is number one. And Into the Woods will probably always be number one.
0: Then what's number two? Come From Away. Okay. So if you saw Prince of Egypt live, it might supplant Come From Away? It
1: might supplant Come From Away.
0: It's high praise.
1: Yeah. This show does so many things that I just inherently love in my productions. It reminded me a lot of Lion King on Broadway okay, because it's very much approached from a technical standpoint of this story has inherent elements that we can never physically put on stage. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a chariot race on stage. Yeah, that's hard. You cannot have the pyramids of Egypt on stage.
0: I mean, we have projectors now. I'm getting to that. All right.
1: You cannot have the parting of the Red Sea happen on stage. Well. Like, we cannot literally do these things.
0: Sure you can. That's what Blue Fabric's for. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: I've done a lot of children's theater.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so the way that they chose to interpret those moments was absolutely brilliant. And... One of the things that I loved from a, a metaphoric point was that they used projections throughout the whole thing, like constantly. All of the backgrounds are being, are being shown by projection.
0: Okay.
1: And then the scenery itself that's in the scene when the audience is spending time with the royal Egyptian family is either made up of these essentially rehearsal cubes in various shapes that are made to look like they've been carved out of limestone.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And they put those together to make like the thrones or to make like the temple. Okay. So the, the scenery is made up of that or it is made up of people. It is made up of the ensemble members. Okay. Specifically the ensemble who play the Hebrews. Ah, ah, so these, these characters that have oh. been enslaved by the Egyptians become yep. Yep. the walls. They become the furniture. They become like the walkway onto the boat.
0: Oh, that's that. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm, that's how you do that. And it's
1: done in a really thoughtful way because there's only one moment where any Egyptian like literally steps on the back of a person. Mm hmm. In that, in that way, in that kind of format, there's other there's a lot of like really cool physical stuff happening. But what I love about the metaphor of it is that as soon as we're done with that scene, uh-huh. it disappears. As soon as the scene is done, the people walk away. The blocks are taken away. They're just blocks. It's deconstructed in front of you. But when we go into the Hebrews encampment or we go into the Midians in the desert – they get actual, physical, tangible set pieces and props. Interesting. And it's this really interesting. interesting. For me, what I take away from it is that all that the Egyptians have is dependent on other people. And if you take those people away, what they have is just make-believe.
0: Ooh, that's a lot.
1: It would, but it's not in your face. is the Okay. Thing. Like, it's something that I noticed and and can verbalize because that's how I think about theater a lot.
0: Yeah, that's a whole concept.
1: Yes. And what was also just breathtaking to watch was the way that the ensemble also became the physical elements of nature. So they were the water of the Nile. They were the sand in the desert. They were the burning bush. Okay. And so when Moses is like, out wandering in the desert after he runs away from egypt there was a moment where there's like eight ensemble members lying on the floor and moses gets thrown on top of them and then they all start rolling in one direction and he's literally carried away on top of them
0: so it's very physical
1: it's very physical
0: how many in in the ensemble do you think
1: i think about 15 to 20
0: Okay, so enough that you can do some things, but not like there's 50 people on stage.
1: Yeah, there weren't a ton of people on stage, but there are about 15 to 20 and they had different costumes based on if they were being the actual Hebrew people or if they were creating elements for the Egyptians, creating elements for um, God, the representation of God. Mm -hmm. The plagues sequence is one of the most astounding things i have seen put on stage particularly the death of the firstborn and i won't spoil the moment for anybody because i i want you to have the the like beauty of watching that for the first time for yourself but the death of the firstborn was incredible and the parting of the red sea was absolutely breathtaking wow well it's just it's one of the most phenomenal pieces of theater i've seen and that doesn't even get into like the brilliance of how this story was adapted I could talk about the show all day. I love it.
0: So I have two interesting things for this. I think that mm-hmm. will will uh, I think we will talk about this show at length at some point, but uh, two, two uh, notes uh, from where I'm at is I think I've seen the movie. Okay. I must have at some point.
1: Yes. 1998
0: DreamWorks. Yeah. I I must have watched it at some point. I'm sure I did. Between church or – I don't know. But it wasn't like a huge part of my childhood or growing up or anything. hmm But here is something that I didn't know if we were ever going to talk about on this. Do you know what the Sight and Sound Theater is? I don't think so. So the Sight and Sound Theater is a Christian theater – in uh there's two there's one in Lancaster Pennsylvania and there's one in Branson Missouri and they put on massive immersive shows
1: oh yes I think I have seen some of their
0: and then clips of some yeah recently they've started recording everything but they're known for like um the stage wraps around the audience instead of it being proscenium it wraps around so the audience is surrounded on you know three sides Um, and uh, all sorts of live animals to like really, really put you into the biblical time of whichever one they're doing. Right. And the way that they do it is they'll run one Bible, they'll figure, they'll put the show together and they'll run that Bible story for like six months. So if you go to the Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, you see Joseph for six months or you see Esther or you see jesus or you see whatever and that's how they do it Mm -hmm. they've done moses and it's the only one of their shows that i've saw in person and they did part the red sea interesting i mean it was a combination of set and projections but they Mm -hmm. did it like i don't really remember the rest of the show all i remember from it is the tech and then it's it's the bible story and yeah. Because it's a, a Christian group, they're going to, you know, stick to the Bible story, right? And the music's fine. The songs are fine. I don't really remember them. But I remember the tech being super immersive and incredible. So I'm very interested to see how much um, this other Moses show, <laughs> uh, uh, Steve's Moses, Prince of Egypt how that goes over with West end money and not Christian theater money.
1: Right. And one of the things that I've always appreciated from the perspective of someone who grew up in the church, my mom is a pastor, Mm -hmm. um, was my pastor my whole life. So like pastor's kid, very involved in the church growing up, know a lot about these Bible stories, have thought a lot about these Bible stories. One of the things that I appreciated about the movie that is enhanced in the stage musical is that it really makes the story about the familial relationship between Moses and the Pharaoh. Mm. And it kind of forces you to remember that this was not some nameless random Pharaoh that Moses was confronting and dealing with. It was either his father or his brother. Right. And so they really play up that, that, that brother relationship. Mm hmm. And about how that has become complicated by the fact that God is asking Moses to oppose his brother.
0: I think at one point we made a joke, uh, or maybe I made a joke, that this uh, show would really just be Wicked But Moses. Mm Mm-hmm. How how close was that?
1: It's not super wrong except that it it follows kind of a different path in a lot of ways because the two ramesses and moses start out so close and then kind of get parted and then come together
0: sure sure the beats are different Um, the the beats are a little
1: bit different but it's a lot about that it's a lot about legacy beautifully done it's it's this love story between these two brothers specifically i like the the fact that they Emphasize so much Moses's questioning as well. Okay. Of, you know, I don't want to be your messenger. I don't want this responsibility. I just want to live my life.
0: The, pl- the parts that get glossed over during Sunday school.
1: Exactly. And um, after the death of the firstborn, specifically, Moses has this really heart-wrenching song that was added for the stage musical because Stephen Schwartz writes a lot of Bible musicals.
0: Somebody this has
1: to. This is this is his third Bible musical.
0: There's a lot of good material there. There's a lot there of is. compelling stories. There's a reason why <laughs> it's been the same stories for thousands of years.
1: Yeah. Um but he likes to put in questioning God's songs in his Bible musicals. Sure. Which I appreciate because I think to be truly devout means to ask questions. Sure. Yeah. Not to, you know, put a lot of theology into this theater podcast
0: you know it happens every now and then
1: but moses has this great song after the death of the firstborns where he's kind of yelling at god about this thing that he made him do this horrible horrifying thing
0: yeah a lot of dead kids
1: that moses did on god's behalf yeah and and it's Moses like singing. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want this responsibility. Like I have to live with this for the rest of my life that I had a hand in this. And it's a it's a really really beautiful song.
0: Is there a cast recording released for this? Yes. Okay. So uh, for those of you uh, listening along, Cassie is uh, coming up on time. So any final final <laughs> thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, It's so good. If you have the opportunity to watch this and you love theater in any capacity, like go watch it. You can get a free trial of Broadway HD for a week. Sure can. And can go watch this show. And they've got a lot of other good shows on Broadway HD too. Like you can burn through a bunch in a week.
0: Yeah. Just just be sick that week. Just watch a bunch of shows. Exactly. A bunch of different things. It's
1: just, it's a really, really good example of what theater can be theater of the mind, you know, the imagination, the anti mega realistic musical. It's just really beautiful. It's really incredibly done.
0: can't wait to see it. I'm super deep in guys and dolls right now. And uh, I'm getting my crew together for complete works. So I've got like the next five months of my life spoken for. Mm-hmm. which is a good feeling maybe 6 months uh that's fun uh i have and i also uh to bring it back to a thing we've talked about in a few earlier episodes um i finally had the moment during rehearsal today for guys and dolls where i like flash back real hard on the first time i did it oh yeah and it just kind of happened and i think it was because my adelaide sang a line a specific way and I just went, oh, yep, that's right. Wait, why is that right? Like, let these kids make their own choices. But that's how I've heard it for eleven years now. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's a it's a weird little thing. Some of the choreos the same. Some's very, very, very different. Some of the staging's the same. Some's very, very different. It's very interesting.
1: We'll have to compare notes once I get into uh, kindergarten
0: rehearsals. So you're coming up on auditions for that in like January, right? In January, yep. Yeah, so we'll both, we'll you'll be doing that at the same time I'm doing Complete Works. Mm-hmm. It is a whole thing. I will say that uh, I stand by my decision to cast the tiniest sixth grader I could find, tiniest sixth grade girl I could find to play Big Julie.
1: Phenomenal! I love that so. It's much. It's gotta
0: happen. Gotta happen. For sure. She gets a gun. I love this. She Deeply. gets a gun and scares everyone. Everyone is terrified of the tiny child.
1: You should be scared of small people.
0: Yeah, her name's Eleanor, which is somehow better. Yes. It's great. I don't know if I've said on microphone that I cast a female as Sky.
1: You did mention that last did episode. I?
0: Okay, yeah. So we are figuring that out. Uh huh. Yeah. It's going well. Um, she has a naturally lower voice, so it works vocally and it works for the harmonies. And she and the girl playing Sarah are comfortable together and are working well together. So it's all going to work. Good. It's yeah, all going to work. Well, I think that uh, about wraps up this episode here. I don't have much more to talk about because we're going on 60 minutes at this point. Now I got to edit this thing. So It's true. And also my voice is starting to go, so... It's it's fine. It happens. We're both busy people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we are part of the Ghostlight Media Podcast Network. You find that at ghostlightmedia.net dot net. And thank you to everyone on the Patreon over there. Uh, and uh, tell us in the Discord uh, which Bible story is the worst. Ooh, good question. Which one's the worst one? I would love to hear some answers about that.
1: We'll be on the Patreon episode in January.
0: I think I can just go ahead and promise this. Cassie doesn't know I'm about to say this. Um, Cassie, we're scheduled to release an episode on Christmas morning.
1: You and I are?
0: Yes, we sure are. Phenomenal. Hey. I think we already know what we're going to do. I think
1: we do. I think we do.
0: I think we do. I think uh, we get spirited to spirited away. (laughs) I have not watched spirited since we've talked about it and I'm so excited. Phenomenal. I think that's uh, a great Christmas episode.
1: I agree. It'll be 100%. Fantastic. Just for you guys.
0: Uh, Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along with us on this uh, wild, weird theater journey that just uh, keeps dropping new news a weird thing hopefully it made some sense to you hopefully we helped uh shed some light on uh this beautiful uh cult world that we get to enjoy that's all for us today i'm ryan i'm cassie and join us next time by the ghost light